1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Libra Cristo War College. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Dan Schneider. Hey, today's the feast day of St. Francis de Sales. Pray for us, Doctor of the Church. Lot to talk about today. Dan and myself haven't been together for a while. Dan, good to see you again, my friend. Good to see you, Jess. Yeah, a couple things that we want to talk about today, and this is your wheelhouse, Dan. I don't know anybody who's more well-read in this area. And it, it is a controversial area if, you, if you're a low-information Catholic, like most of us in this area. Most people don't have a good grasp of what's called generational spirits or generational sin. So we're going to be talking about that. And uh, we're also going to be talking about it. We have a chance. We have the opportunity to talk about uh, uh, music. Uh, what's wrong with some of the profane music? And in fact, we'll even uh, listen to a short little clip from uh, of, of, a, of a musician that talks about the diabolical component in modern music. But Dan, how you been? What what you been up to? What's what projects is Dan Schneider up to these days? Uh, what am I not up to? <laughs> My life is basically like a Jackie Chan movie, you know, um, walking down the street, having a good day. And all of a sudden four ninjas jump out at you and all you've got at your disposal, is a trash can lid and a thrown out folding chair to defend yourself. <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm at. I'm going, uh, uh, doing a lot of speaking, traveling, uh, working on the next book. And the second half of that book is on this very topic of generational curse or inherited guilt, promoting the Libra Christa manual. It's it sold out the second time. So um, we're just just plugging away, living the dream. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's doing a lot of good. I get, I'm getting emails from people all over the country that are just, they're having like book studies. You know, they're they're getting together weekly because there's just so much to it. Although you made it a lot simpler than Father Ripper's Dominion, uh, you try to you simplified it, and uh, and people are complimenting the way you wrote it. You wrote it kind of with that that military language, which appeals to a lot of people. The whole f- you know fight the good fight language. So uh, there's dozens of book clubs right now around the country reading your book, and people are trying to get a good grasp of spiritual warfare. Uh, you know, with with the Catholic principles that you've laid out, <clears throat> um, Dan. Let's uh, let's get right into it. There's a uh, an article that was written, and uh, the person that wrote the article definitely is an Orthodox Catholic that that tracks in the right direction. And as I read the article, it's called "Generational Sin and the Promise of the Magnificat." Mary's prayer teaches about the operation of Jesus' grace through generations. It's a short article; it's worth reading. <clears throat> but what did you like? And Sophia uh, Feingold is is uh, the the author of the article, well written, but uh, as Dan Schneider is is apt to say, uh, quoting First Corinthians twelve thirty one, let me show you a more excellent way. So although this yeah, is yeah, a well written yeah. article, Dan, show us the more excellent yeah, yeah. way. What what was missed in this article? First, I commend her for for tackling the subject because nobody even wants to tackle it today. It's a it's a it's a difficult subject, as she says in the opening sentence. Uh, it's problematic um, this concept of generational sin or generational curse, and, and so um, it it really challenges so much of our understanding of theology of God, 
our understanding of God, our understanding of, of grace, our understanding of sin and it's the, the double effect of sin, according to the catechism, uh, our understanding of the authority structure. Um, it, it challenges all, uh, many of those things. And, um, you know, when I when I started on this chapter, um, I think uh, it, I, I think because because of the, the, the influence of modernism in theology today, you know, remember the marks of modernism, according to Pius X in his document, uh, Adiem Laetissimum, he called it the plague of modernism. Um, it's a, a, a denial of the authority structure and, and the denial of the effects of the fall and original sin and a denial of the redemptive value of suffering. So if you want to triangulate uh, uh, areas of theology that, 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 that really are challenged by the concept of, of what's called, a, we, we would call a generational curse or generational sin, um, those three areas of modernism kind of, you have to really tease those out before you really tackle the subject. Uh, and so to be clear, this is not a topic that um, this, the phrase generational curse or generational sin um, in the early patristic and early rabbinic uh, language that, that they wouldn't know what you're talking about. Um, okay. the, the Hebrew is avon avat that the, that it, multiple places and we can get into some of those um, I, inflicting punishment. I and the Lord, their God, a jealous God. I'll get into that inflicting punishment on the father's wickedness on the children of the father's wickedness. Inflicting punishment for the father's wickedness on the children of those who hate me down to the third and fourth generation. This is within the, 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 the context of the commandment. You shall not worship false gods. And so to hate God is to is, is the root translation. This is God himself at Sinai giving the law. Right. Laying down the law, if you will. And he says, if you hate me, I, I will punish the I will punish the the. Uh, uh, the father's wickedness uh, on those uh, down to the third and fourth generation. And so, so we see something in there that he, the, the rabbis called this avant avat, um, how the sins of the parish parents passed to the children in the early patristic debate, uh, focusing really largely on St. Augustine, but other, other saints as well. This was debated uh, uh, and, and uh, but more, more cleanly and fleshed out with St. Augustine, doctor of the church, doctor of grace. And this will be called inherited guilt. It, so, so it isn't the sin that's being punished. We have to distinguish, and, we, and let's flesh this out, but we distinguish between the sin itself and the guilt that is inherited. And so, again, in popular terminology, uh, uh, we talk about it, generational curse, generational sins, uh, which, which is something that is seen uh, largely uh, by, the, by the census fidelium that's kind of rejected in, in some, some clerical circles. What would you say that uh, this author, Sophia, this, uh, this article that she wrote, Generational Sin and the Promise of the Magnificat, where was she tracking in the right direction? Where did she get it right? And then where would you offer correction? Well, I think, I think she, you know, she tackles the subject and she, uh, the, the premise of the topic is to point to the Virgin Mary. She is the only one that was conceived without the grace of original sin. Uh, um, um, all the rest of us have been have been tainted by original sin and the original sin, uh, we know, has dual effects, according to the catechism. And so and so pointing to the Blessed Mother as the perfection of human nature, what the poet Wordsworth calls our human nature's uh, uh, solitary bows. I think she does a really good job. Um, I think I, you know, and when quoting the, the word mercy, you know, God's mercy uh, um in, in the Magnificat, I think we have to distinguish between 
uh, our understanding of mercy and how it's translated um, into the Latin and the Greek from the Hebrew chesed, uh, which means God's covenant fidelity. We have to we have to temper uh, um, God's God's uh, uh, you know God's mercy and His justice are both perfect. Yeah, of course James says that mercy triumphs over justice, right? But the 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 Greek word or the Hebrew word for mercy that we get to translate mercy is chesed, which is God's covenant fidelity. Even if we break the covenant, God will be faithful and take us back. That doesn't mean that if you break the covenant with God. It'll be it'll be no problem. Come back in. And we know this. If you ask, you know, you ask any woman uh, or man for that matter, but you ask a woman if your husband had a had an affair on you and it was a short thing. It happened on a business trip on a weekend and and then he had a maybe two or three months affair um, and then you would forgive him. Right. Yeah. Most good Catholic women say I'd forgive him. OK. Can he just jump back into your bed today? Uh, well, there might be, there might be some penance needed. Uh, there might be some attitude adjustment, you know, needs to take place. Uh, and, and, and you might be sleeping on the couch and it might take a while to rebuild that relationship. When we understand that at a human level. So when we violate the justice of God, when God gives this commandment, um, two images come to mind when God delivered Israel out of Egypt. Um, Moses says, God is a warrior. 285 times this is used in the Old Testament, the Lord God Almighty, the God of hosts, the God who directs human history, right, by, by engaging in, in the forces of evil, the diabolic forces in the cosmos. And we like that. That's a cool image of God the conqueror, God the warrior. But we don't like this other one. When God self-reveals himself, I am a jealous God, the jealous one. And so, and so, and this is the context of the self-revelation, a jealous God. Now we get the word jealousy. It isn't like, oh, you know, who were you talking to? Who was that guy that, that you were talking to over there? I, you know, that's not the, the, the human jealousy. We're talking about the Greek word zelos, which is a holy burning zeal, right? That, that because of God's holiness, that zeal, his zeal burns and demands from us a reciprocal a self-gift. And so by committing grave sins and in the context of the first commandment, sins against the first commandment and the second commandment, sins against by honoring false gods, these things cause God to, to, to tell him we hate him, right? We hate him. And what does that mean? Psalm, 9, Psalm 96, 5, the gods of the Gentiles are demons. And so the, the root of this is uh, um it, it, it violates the very holiness of God, the jealous God. And so we have to nuance our understanding of mercy because we could fall into, and, we, and, and I remember hearing this, I hear this a lot. Um, well, the God of the Old Testament versus the God of the New Testament, the God of love, right? That's the heresy I'm, of Marcionism. Marcionism, it's a Gnostic dualism. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever, it says. <clears throat> God hasn't changed, right? That doesn't mean that mercy doesn't triumph over justice, right? But we have we have to understand that sin has its effect, and so uh, and so there's there, there's kind of a, a of a false belief that um, there's no such thing as inherited guilt. Only children they they learn our our, our behaviors and copy those behaviors, um, and this is what the you know Augustine battled against. Uh, you can look it up if you can't sleep at night. You want to read it. It is fairly interesting. Uh, uh, we'll come back to that after the break. Hold the thought. We'll be right back. Jesus and I, uh, well, War College. Wednesday War College. We'll be right back. Just 
outside with my rosary beads Bible by my ammo, man, I hope he's watching me Overseas overnight, if I die, I know it's right Freedom ain't free, pass the ammo, let's ride Welcome to Liber Crystal War College. Liber Crystal is a, an apostolate under the uh, spiritual direction of Father Chad Ripperger, uh, Dr. Dan Schneider, Kyle Clement. These are the lead instructors for Liber Crystal. We're talking about a well-written article written by uh, Sophia Feingold from Catholic University, and she talks about generational sin and the promise of, of, the, of the Magnificat. Dan, I like the way she writes about uh, the role of... Uh, the, the, or the promise of the Blessed Virgin Mary in terms of the language of mercy has said in the New Testament that she talks about in her Magnificat that has uh, said will be passed on to, uh, to, to you know, uh, to all generations. I, I do. Uh, I'm glad that she did. Uh, and that's something that's very interesting because I've talked to Protestants about this. I, I, I've asked, told Protestants, what's the overarching theme of, of God? In, in the Old and New Testament, well, they'll say God is love, First John four sixteen. Correct. God is love. God is has said. You know, God is covenant faithfulness. Uh, and and the first person I've told Protestants, I say, who's the first person that ever talked about God's has said in the New Testament? They're like, hmm, I don't know, Jess. I said the Blessed Virgin Mary in Luke chapter one. First person that talked about has said in the New Testament wasn't the Pope, wasn't Peter, wasn't Paul, wasn't James wasn't John. It was the Blessed Virgin Mary. So I did like the fact that she pointed that on the article, Dan. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, uh, there's, you know, this idea that be, because the, the people point to the man born blind, that that this is this means that we don't believe that that Jesus is overriding the words of his own words, you know, God's word at Sinai. Augustine repeats this in his debate with Julian of Aclanum. Julian of Aclanum was the, the the theological spokesman. He was a bishop, I think, in either Malta or uh, Sicily. And they had a really, really heated debate over this topic. Julian Econom said that basically it is through imitation that children sin. There is no such thing as an inherited guilt. Augustine goes back, and he's the, where we get the phrase original sin, this comes from St. Augustine, doctor of the church, doctor of grace. And so he, he shows how how... The original sin is the archetype of all sins. It isn't a prototype that's imitated. It's the archetype. All sin follows this same mold or pattern. And so, um, and so, and so Julian claimed that this was all just imitated. Augustine said no. That that, and he points out various parts of Scripture, including the holy innocence, how innocent children in, in Sodom uh, suffered, innocent children in Canaan. Uh, the Canaanites, innocent, you know, uh, in various places of the Old Testament, Noah's time, that children did suffer for the sins of their parents. And he emphasizes again that God says, God says. And so he actually, Augustine actually uses the concept of, of original sin, I mean, of a generational curse, what we would call it, to prove the reality of original sin. So he actually works backwards. Um and so he starts with 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 inherited guilt as a concept that's undeniable in his mind, 
to prove original sin. But here's what he says on the topic of, of generational, uh, what we would call generational curses. He says, um, well, Father Ripperger notes that sin, the effect of a sin can pass. And we have to distinguish between the sin itself and the effect of the sin. The effect of the sin can pass. It doesn't mean it will. It can pass. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. We've had infants. We've had infants uh, showing signs of possession. Uh, infants. Okay. And I'll get to that in a second. But here's what Augustine says. In some way, nonetheless, some sins of certain parents are passed down onto their children, not by imitation, but by generation. The parents are punished in them. And for this reason, he does not say to the third and fourth imitation, but generation. You, of mm -hmm. course, don't like this, but whatever you like it or not, you got to hear it, he tells Julian. But wow. even if other parents, yeah, he tells Julian of Clonum this, even if other parents commit many sins because they sin with a weak soul and a corruptible body, which weighs down the soul, he's talking about personal sin here. He's not talking about, he's not talking about original sin. Nature doesn't become destined to die because of their sins. And by God's secret and just judgment, the children receive from the sins of these parents a punishment that is far different and far less. For he arranges all things in measure and number and weight and truthfully says, I shall punish the children for the sins of their parents, Exodus 25. But who is able to search the limit or plan or standard of God's justice in the case of sins of some parents for which their children are punished? On this account, God keeps to himself these judgments, but he forbade human judgment, a human judge to exact such punishment. So what happens in North Korea? That's, a, that's human justice that usurps a, a prerogative that is solely reserved for the divine in Korea. That you, if you if you listen to K-pop music, uh, uh, profile, pro, profess Southern Korea and Western ideologies, anti-Marxist ideologies, you could be punished to the third generation. So you go to prison, your children go to prison, and their children go to prison, and that's uh, uh, that, that's how that 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 authoritarian system works. And so this is a violation, but God reserves this. In his own mystery, God reserves this um, um, to punish sin. Remember, Saint Saint Bern or Saint Bonaventure says that why does God why does God allow demons to afflict us? One is to glorify God, one is to punish sin, to rebuke a sinner, and to educate us. And so Saint Thomas would actually come and say that God allows uh, a, a generational sin into a family line so that the so that the family will militate against it and drive it out of the family line and so in god's mystery we see this um we, it, it, we go ahead and let's, before i go to the next next section on that what what's your comments on that jess i know you've done a lot of reading on this as well my comment is that is that dan is that i think in this debate on generational sin and generational spirits i think it's not an either or position I think it's both and just like most things in the Catholic faith. It's not like we love Jesus or Mary. We love both. It's not you're justified by faith alone or by works alone. It's both. Uh, and so in, in this debate, uh, it's uh, the both and principle applies here. I mean, sometimes uh, in other words, you also can't take one example and just, uh, absolutize it like for example then they when they quote john chapter 9 verses 1 to 3 uh and they're saying well they, you know jesus christ is saying that uh that this man you know didn't is not blind because of his parents so our lord is, is not denying generational sin in that specific case he's simply 
espousing something that Moses clearly taught. And so he's saying that in this case of the blind man, that his that in this case, particular case, it was not a case of generational sin. But that's not an absolute statement about all cases, like you just said right before the break, that uh, you know of a case of a three-year-old uh, uh, baby that's possessed. That that can't be because well, of the person's actual sin. That that's a that's a, the, a strong argument for generational sin. An infant before the age of reason, or a child before the age of reason being possessed. That's a strong argument for Augustine's position. Well, if if you look at the New Testament, two places you see this idea that that uh, the green grapes proverbs. We can talk about that next, but this idea that 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 with one proverb, um, now the prophets have done away with something that God Himself revealed at Sinai. That's a that's a little that's a stretch for me as a biblical scholar. Um, but if you look before we get to that, look at the New Testament. You have John nine and then Mark or Matthew twenty eight. May His blood be upon us and our children. So this shows that in the popular piety, at least there was a belief that Avonavot continues, that, the, that, the, that sin has a dual effect, just like the catechism says, the double effect of sin upon the, the, the generation. Um, and, and, and also, again, we have to understand that gen, or, or just as original sin is seen not so much as a contagion, but a, as a privation. Yeah. Uh, um, Augustine says this is a defect in a good substance. And so original sin is passed down to us and washed away through the waters of baptism, but it's a privation of grace. It's privation of the protection of blessing. That's all a curse is. It's a privation of the protection of blessing. But if, but if Jesus was going to do away with the concept that children would suffer for, because of the sins of their parents, um, then, then I would look to Mark, Mark chapter 7. Um, the Syrophoenician woman, it says, Mark says, she doesn't say that Mark says um, her little daughter, right? Her little daughter was afflicted. Um, the only other place that that term is used in the New Testament is the, the, is Jairus's daughter, who Mark, the narrator says, was 12 years old. So, okay, so you've got a 12-year-old, or, you know, a pubescent girl afflicted. Okay, perhaps she was getting into some bad stuff, okay? But then in Mark 9, Jesus comes down the mountain, right, of transfiguration. There's a big fight going on. They're trying, and, and the crowd is coming, and Jesus goes over, and the, the and there's a boy manifesting. And Jesus asked them, mm-hmm. Mark chapter 9, how long has this been happening? And the father answers him in Greek, ex paideothen. And the, 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 even the Greek construct there is, it's an emphatic, you see the word pice, infancy, Jerome translated into Latin, something that we would understand and it fairly translates into English, uh, uh, ab infancia, since he was an infant. So from the moment he started getting the, these terms refer to a discernible, uh, discernible humanity. So you're talking about from a few months onward, this child has been manifesting possessed by a demon. I've yet to see a modern a modern a, a modern theologian or scholar try to explain that. And Jesus doesn't deny it. He drives the demon out, right? And when they asked them how does this how does uh, um you know, how uh, why couldn't we drive it out? What does he say? This this type, this genos, where we get the word generational or type, right? Ge- genealogy, this type can only be can only come out through prayer and fasting. 
And so, and so there's no other explanation for this, uh, for this, for this incident in John and in, in Mark's gospel, two incidents of children afflicted by demons, one possessed since he was an infant. And so there's gotta be another explanation for it. And this idea of inherited guilt uh, would provide a, a sufficient, uh, if you understand the nuances of it, and the nuances of it, because it isn't that the child are being punished, it's that the father is being punished in the effects that are being inherited down. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Makes the privation. Sense. Let's let's say let's say a cop. What would happen if a cop uh, gotten a deed, you know, off duty or even in his unit, he gets into a car wreck. And, and, and drunk driving, he, he stops by a few drinks, he's drunk driving, he hits somebody, commits vehicular homicide. What would happen to that cop? He loses, the judge takes away his driver's license because of it. He goes to jail for six months. The cop's probably going to get fired, right? Absolutely, so yeah. He loses his job. He loses his job. He goes to jail. The children don't go to jail because he does it. He, the children don't go to jail. His wife but they're affected by his sin. We'll be right back. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Good example. Hold that thought. We'll be back. Wednesday War College, we are back. Dan, so all in all, this uh, this article that we're leaning on here, um, before we go on to the next topic, we're going to be talking about music and uh, and the, the impact on the let culture. Me, let me do but this, before we, let, me yeah. finish my last, yeah. let me finish my last topic, because I think this is important for us to understand. Okay. The cop, the cop who commits vehicular homicide in his unit, he loses his job, he loses his benefits, he loses his license to drive. He loses everything. And he goes to jail. Right? His kids don't go to jail. He goes to jail. Right? His kids don't lose their jobs. He goes, he loses his job. And so if you look at the catechism, it says that in on the 1472, um, that there are two punishments. Sin has a double consequence. Okay, remember, original sin is the archetype of all sin. This is what Augustine is saying, that there is a parallel uh, um a parallel consequence, a parallel due consequences in all sins embedded into every sin that that follows the mold or the archetype of original sin. And so the Catechism 1472, mm-hmm. grave sin deprives us of communion with God and makes us incapable of eternal life. We see this. Adam and Eve are separated, right? They're separated from God. They lose a life of sanctifying grace in the soul, and they're separated from God, kicked out of the garden. Um uh, this is a privation, which is called eternal punishment, right? This, this is a spiritual consequence of grave sin. But the catechism, so it isn't just, doesn't just end there. The catechism says that there is also a temporal punishment due to sin, that satisfaction must be made for. And so the forgiveness of sin and the restoration of communion with God entail the remission of eternal punishment of the sin, but the tem- temporal punishment still remains. And even this, the catechism says, is a grace. So going back to the, to the, to the, to the guy that goes to prison, goes to jail for, for um, this mistake he makes, this, this crime, he pays the price for the crime. 
But because this, the, 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 the authority structure provides and protects, those are the two ends. Remember, Father Ripperker uh, contextualizes con, uh, inherited guilt within the construct of the authority structure. The children now lack the provision. He's not bringing home food anymore. He's not bringing home papas, right? He, they, so now they're delivering papers or they're, they're, they're have to get, they, they got to do a little extra work. They, they're eating beans and rice, mm. right? They're not eating steak anymore. They're not going out to eat. They're having to turn the, the heater off at night, you know, or during the day. So it's freezing cold. You know, they're not, their mom has to go to work. So she's not around. And so she has, to, she suffers the punishment for uh, the penalty as well. She suffers a effect of the sin, but also he's not there to protect them. He's not there to, to guard and protect the house as he's supposed to do. So those, the, the, his one effect, it has a, it has a, it has his, dr- his drunk driving, him. his drunk driving sin. His drunk driving, his drunk driving has an effect on him. He pays the price for it. The children don't go to jail. In North Korea, the children go to jail for the crime, right? That's a violation of God's justice. This is, that's human law taking on uh, usurping that's something that God reserves for himself, the effects of sin upon the, 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 the subsequent generations. And so the children now lack protection and they lack provision. They suffer as part of the temporal effects of that, of that sin of the father. Does that make sense? Perfect example. You can't get any clearer than what you just said. So that's what about, happens is that's about as curse, clear as you can get. And, and the curse is a privation of the protection of blessing. That's it. So we freak out. We hear I hear priests just this week, two different priests say, I don't believe in curses. Well, um, then you don't believe in the fall. You don't believe in original sin. You, you don't believe in, in, in the giving of the law at Sinai. Right? Because because again, Augustine says, God says, God himself says, right? And even, even, again, the green grapes proverb that Jeremiah and Ezekiel use, um, Julian of Eclanum said, this proves that God is going to no longer do this, that God has changed. Really? God has changed? That's an interesting one. Multiple places in the Old Testament. Exodus, two or three times in Exodus, two or three times in Deuteronomy, Numbers 14, Leviticus 26, Jeremiah 32, 18, Baruch. 120, Baruch uh, uh, 31, Baruch, who was Jeremiah's scribe, proposes this. So if Jeremiah was saying, hey, we're going to get rid of, God is getting rid of the punishment, then he wouldn't say in Jeremiah 32, later in Jeremiah, he wouldn't reinforce that, that the sins pass on to the laps of the children, or in Baruch, Hosea uh, also, because, because you've ignored, because you have violated, you priest, I will ignore your sons. And so we see this all throughout the Old Testament. And so it's easy to dismiss and say, no, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in that God. I like a sugary Jesus with skinny jeans and a tightly groomed beard, and I like a nice guy God. We have to understand that sin has consequences. It has consequences. Jeremiah, if you look at Jeremiah, he's talking about the restoration of the new covenant. Ezekiel, he gives three and three examples of three generations, alluding back to, to Exodus. And the giving of the law of Sinai, the, 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 the people living in Jerusalem at the time are saying, see, we're the righteous children. Our parents sinned. And Ezekiel is saying, no, you are the unrighteous son and you have sinned just like your parents. It's going to be your children that cry out to God. And in his mercy, he will restore Israel. That's the plain meaning of it. He's not. This is this is a this is a, a priestly juridical uh, tri- court trial. Uh, that that Ezekiel lines up. Augustine says this: 
that he is talking about the the uh, um, the rebirth of baptism. Yeah, of course. The, I, I can no longer say I inherited death of original sin because now the waters of baptism, my parents can bring me to 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 wash me and renew me and now restore sanctifying grace in me. So prophecy has three multiple levels, but the plain, plain sense, plain level, what is he saying in time? Penultimate, what's he saying? The future generation will do penance for the sins. And we see this in Baruch, that, the, that when, when they're in exile, finally, they cry out to God to forgive both their sins and their parents' sins. And then the ultimate, there's a penultimate, then the ultimate points us to Christ. And the ultimate fulfillment of this prophecy points us to Jesus Christ and the waters of baptism, which will wipe away the inherited guilt of original sin. But the effect of original sin still remains, right? We call this concupiscence, a disordered desire. We still have the effects in us. So we no longer feel any punishment of original sin, but we have the, we still suffer the consequences of it in our own lives. Does that make sense? Perfect sense. Theologically, you explained it well, very clear. Uh, you get, Naturally, that, that, uh, that analogy of the father that got busted drunk driving, now he can't protect the family. Uh, he can't provide for the family. The family's now vulnerable. Per, that's a perfect analogy to this whole topic of, of, of generational sin. I, you can't get any clearer than that. And also the examples you provided from Scripture about infants being baptized before they they reach the age of reason, which is seven years old, infants being I mean infants being possessed. Excuse me, being possessed. Uh, that also shows obviously that's through no fault of their own. There has to be a generational sin there. Yeah, Dan, I can't wait. I can't wait till your book comes out because your book is going to be the definitive answer to this question, and uh, and I think it's it's. Uh, it's something that's needed because it's something that most people misunderstand, even good, well-intentioned priests, Dan. Well, again, you go back to the three. Remember, modernism is the synthesis of all heresies. And at the beginning of this of this podcast, I talked about the three of the marks of modernism. One of them is a denial of the effect of original sin, Julia Vaclanum, right? The, the Pelagian denies the effect of original sin. It mitigates it. No, no, parents... Uh, children imitate their parents. No, they inherit a guilt, Augustine says, because God says um, a denial of the redemptive value of suffering. This type only comes out through prayer and fasting. So penance, there, there, there's a satisfaction to need to be made for the temporal punishment due to sin. We, we've, we've lost that. We've lost this concept that we have, you know, Jesus is, Jesus has got skinny jeans and, and perfectly groomed beard and he's, and he's wearing a, a cool T-shirt. He's basically in a Christian rock band. And God the Father is Santa Claus. That anything goes. That's a false image of God. And so, and so we, we deny the effects of original sin. We deny the, the, the need for the, the redemptive value of suffering. And we, deny, and we deny the authority structure. That we are under the authority of others. And when they commit a grave sin, that, that's the effect of that sin. Not the sin itself. The effect of it is, is experienced as a privation of the promise of blessing, the promise of blessing. Yeah, and then so also it, there's also another a New Testament uh, confirmation of what you said uh, without opening my Bible. I know it's in First Corinthians chapter twelve, where Saint Paul talks about uh, you know when one suffers, we all suffer uh, right. you know, because we're connected. We're connected as the mystical body of Christ. You know uh, when one rejoices, all rejoice. So because of this. Because of this interconnected 
connectedness through baptism, but especially uh, family interconnectedness. Uh, you know, yeah. if my son breaks his arm, I'm, I'm going to be sad. You know, my wife crashes. I'm going to be, it affects the whole family. Hey, mom just got an auto accident. You know, you start calling people up, you know, the family, the kids, the grandkids, it affects everybody or somebody, Hey, my son, Paul just got accepted to whatever, you know, got promoted. Everybody rejoices. It, it, you could see it's the same. It's the same parallel with generational sin because of the interconnectedness of the family. Right. But it's, but it, but it moves downward, not upward. That's the key. It moves downward, not upward it, because it falls under the authority structure. Um, again, where sin abounds, yeah. grace abounds all the more. St. Paul says, we have to bear in mind that God is trying to bring out a greater good from this, right? That this momentary light affliction, uh, um, 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 St. Paul talks about that, you know, um, this momentary light affliction is nothing compared to the weight of glory that awaits us, that in this, in making satisfaction for the sins of our parents, Leviticus 26, they will languish, they will languish in the sins, they will uh, uh, languish in the sins because of their ancestors, and they have to go back and do penance for them. St. Thomas says this, St. Thomas Aquinas, um, he says that sometimes one is punished for the sins of another, which is, a, which is so allowed so as to rectify the sin of an ancestor and expel him from the family line. And this mm. is where the promise of blessing that I think this author does a nice job bringing in Our Lady to show the promise of blessing. We've lost sight of the fact that, at the, that, the, that the, the positive sign of that coin is for those who love me, I will bless to the thousands generation. We'll be back. This, Stick around. This is where the Magnificat comes in. Wednesday War College. Dan, I think we've teased the audience enough about your new book that you're working on right now. I'm sure it'll be out probably by the end of the year, maybe the beginning of ne next year, correct? Yes, yeah, it should be out. I do discuss it briefly in the Libra Cristo Manual, um, giving s specific steps on and, and if you find yourself in this situation. Um, it's not deterministic. It doesn't mean because Grandpa was this or that or Freemason or a witch or whatever. Uh, like Augustine said, sometimes this can happen, and it's all up to God's providence. I've seen it where um, a, a, a seeming something that is even felt in one family uh, finds itself very radically in another. You just never know. It's God's providence again, like Saint Thomas says, to, to to do battle and expel it from the family line. And so, so I listed there several things: fasting and prayer, certain binding prayers, etc. Father Ripperker's also got uh, a three-part series on YouTube on. Uh, an, uh, an article he wrote called The Sixth Generation uh, years ago for, I forget what magazine. Though those are other resources you get. The Latin magazine. The Latin magazine, yeah. It's called The Latin Magazine. Latin Mass Magazine, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, so, uh, so you know, they're, they're, so, uh, and also there's 11 pages of it. He, he writes uh, briefly in Dominion as well. So um, there's resources, and the main thing is not to give up hope. God is allowing it. This is part of the temporal punishment due to sin. This is part of... Uh, of the work uh, that we're called to do um, to make satisfaction for sin, um, to bear our cross. And, Amen. and uh, we don't like that. That's part of Christianity. We don't like, we don't like to hear. <laughs> um, but Jesus says, if you wish to be my disciple, that's right. Up, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. Amen. Dan, I want to, I want to just play a little clip and get your comments. Uh, 
It's a little clip from ex-Boy Zone members. His name's Shane Lynch. And he exposes devil worship in rituals in, in modern music. I want you to hear the clip. Mr. Engineer, go ahead. I've been in rooms at the, the top of the top, which albums are prayed over demonically. Music is prayed over demonically. Um, that goes out to the world, goes out to the radio stations, goes out to the public. And when you see that stuff and know that stuff, it's frightening. What do you mean by that, Shane, prayed over demonically? So uh, rituals, ceremonies, everything to bring, um, uh, to give light to, to, to the devil, to Satan. It's, it's a satanic music industry. That's majority of what it is. Do you, do you mean figuratively or do you mean literally you've been in... Literally, yes. Um, if you look at what the music is today, the industry is today, uh, for all your Sam Smiths to your Dojo Cats to your Beyonce's to, they are so demonic, it's unbelievable. And we can't, it's in front of us. And it's something that we uh, kind of go, oh, it's just music. But it really isn't. It's absolutely taken over the world, taken over our children and taken over uh, everything that's, that, that's coming to the, the times of, of world crisis. Wow. Uh, all, all I can yeah, add to... That's, yeah. not, that's not Father Rehill. That's not Father... Uh, uh, um, Lambert. You know, Father Lampert. That's not, that's not Father Ripperger. You know, uh, that's no choir boy either, judging by his tattoos. You know, that's, yeah. a, that's a, a, a veteran musician that's been in this business for a long, long time that has seen it all. And, he, and, he's, and he's talking about actual rituals being performed over the music... Uh, remember Father Karapi um, talked about um, how the 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 the, um, the narcos would bring in a satanic priest to curse the drugs that they were importing in and before they distribute it. Um, and now Father Ripperker has talked about in pornography that they're now doing the same thing. They're cursing the master copy of, of pornographic videos and uh, and putting curses on there to create uh, deeper addictions. And so if you're if you're in, in participating in sinful behavior, if you don't have the protection of the state of grace, um, you know, these curses can become effective to you because this ties into our last conversation. What protects us from the curse, the state of grace, fidelity to the that, that, that God's has said provides but love, fidelity protection. to the covenant, fidelity, fidelity to, to the, the covenant. covenant. What does that covenant look like? It looks like the moral teachings of the Roman Catholic Church. This is divine positive law that built upon the, the divine law uh, given at Sinai. Not, not to include uh, the immoral teachings of uh, Cardinal Fernandez. That's, that's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That, that is pornographic. Again, um, it, it's, it's pornographic and, and uh, yeah. It's called porno. It's called porno theology, Dan. Or porno uh, theology. Look up, look up Cornelio Fabro, Father Cornelio Fabro, porno theology. Doug, Doug Bear and I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, this, this. This we're, we're dumbing down, and we're, we're instead of instead of man raising up to God, you know, the, 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 to encounter the transcendentals, beauty, goodness, truth, right? Uh, we're pulling God down to us, you know, and we're in, instead of instead of let us make man in our image, it's let us make God in our image, and that image yep. ultimately becomes diabolic. And you can see with this music. And, and and she listed off some mainstream ones. She didn't list list off oh, yeah. 
Ozzy Osbourne and, and some of these death metal bands. Black Sabbath, ACDC. Oh, yeah. yeah. All the way going back, Rolling, the Rolling Stones, uh, even yeah. the Beatles. Hey, this goes way back, Dan. Yeah, this uh, goes back to, to, yeah. to uh, what was that? Oh, man, I forget it. And uh, um, there was there was a... Um, there was an old country, I mean, an old, an old uh, blues song where he talks down at the, uh, down at the swamp or the, I forget the fire swamp. But anyway, this idea of exchanging, you know, exchanging your soul for, for popularity, for, for money, for record sales. It's been around mm. for a long, long time. Mm. You also have, uh, I, I've seen, I've seen on YouTube, there's a video where it has a, a satanic high priest who's dead now, Anton LaVey and his son-in-law, Nicholas Shrek. They both were having a conversation back and forth. It's just about a minute and a half where they were both talking about the fact that they are going to use music to manipulate the mind uh, of young people uh, through pop culture. So, I mean, this is something they're talking about back 30 years ago. uh, The founder of the the Church of Satan and his son-in-law. You also have, I'll tell you somebody who did a deep dive in this, Dan. Uh, There's a... There's an an author by the name of uh, E. Michael Jones, Dr. E. Michael Jones. He wrote a book. uh, It's called Dionysius Rising. Very good book. I read it years ago. And in that book, Dionysius Rising, he talks about uh, just basic Thomistic philosophy. He says, ordered music properly orders the soul, like Gregorian chant and and, and sacred music. And he says, uh, disordered music disorders the soul. He, He says... Music acts directly on the soul. Disordered music leads to disordered lives, which leads to the to the disorder in the state. And he backs it up by quoting, you know, people like, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 Seneca, the philosopher Seneca, who said, uh, "Vices more easily enter the soul while one is being entertained." And also, uh, I'm not sure it was Confucius or Buddha. It was Confucius. He says. If you want to know the morality of a nation, let me hear their music. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty powerful. That's Confucius. <laughs> that's Confucius, yeah. Now listen to this, Plato. Plato says, he talks about the different types of love, and, and, he, and he's talking about eros. And by eros, he doesn't mean, you know, cochinos. You know what I mean? Yeah, which today, eros is cochino, right? If You, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it, my grandpa would call it dirty butt. I mean, just, right. you know, dirty-minded people. Or, or, uh, Eros, or, or nasty old men, nasty old men, nasty, dirty old men, whatever. Um, <laughs> Eros philosophically as a love is a love that the love that that, that unites two. And, and, and he says that Plato says sprouts wings and draws us up to the divine. So 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 anything. This is why we talk about the transcendentals, truth, beauty, goodness, the things that tr- that God himself is. And if we follow truth, beauty, goodness, uh, it leads us up to God. Thanatos is the opposite uh, philosophically for Plato, uh, and that is death, you know, and death brings us downward. And so there, 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 there's something to be said for death metal, right? Ah, Versus, that's right. Because it brings us yeah. down, right? Yeah. And, and so this is why, you know, my, my kids once asked me, Dad, why don't you ever listen to music? You know, I remember years ago, I had headphones on working out, you know. And I'm listening to the lyrics for the first time. I'm like, this is garbage. This is garbage. So I just quit doing it. I just quit listening to music. And then I and then I just, you know, um, now I just listen to Gregorian chant. And so my one of my kids asked me, how come you don't listen to music? I'm like, I listen to music all the time. I'm like, all right. 
how come you don't listen to music after the fourth century? I'm like, well, <laughs> I just yeah. seen it work. I've seen it work. So it, it's, it's, uh, I like to just imbue, you know, and I tell people, Hey, if you hear uh, a beautiful music emanating from me, it's not the aura of sanctity because I'm a grave sinner. Hmm. It's just my Gregorian chant on my phone. That's playing, you know? So, yeah. so this is, this evil music is a mockery of the blessing. Again, a curse is a privation of blessing. It's a diabolic inversion of blessing. And so music, which was, which was tied to liturgy, which was tied to monastic life, would help the soul rise up to God. Good music gets us to rise upward to God. And I'm not just talking about, you know, Hillsong, praising God that I feel good at, at an emotional level. We're talking about music, sacred music from the heart of the church helps us to sprout wings and find ultimate, the ultimate beauty, God, and then death metal. And even this stuff, Beyonce, she, she herself says that, that, that she, uh, um, that she doesn't, uh, that she channels some demon that, that she gets channeled by a spirit when she performs. She, she herself says that. She said, Beyonce, the fear, the spirit that overcomes her is called, um, <clears throat> It's a it's a wicked name. Yeah, she yeah, said, yeah. I, I, that's uh, she also force uh, something. Some yeah, yeah. She, 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 she's she's pretty intimate with this person. Yeah. Yeah, with yeah. the demon. Yeah, that, and uh, she demon, says it yeah. co it comes over me as soon as I start dancing. Uh, and I'll tell you what, Dan, the devil and demons know the power of music. Sasha Fierce. Sasha Fierce. Uh, that, her, the demons called Sasha Fierce that we reject, rebuke, and renounce in Jesus' name. I'll tell you the power of music, Dan. The devil knows the power of music because uh, Doctor Peter Kraft. I heard him say once that. That music was the moment that the angels were created in Genesis chapter one, verse three, let there be light and there was light. Dr. Crave says that the moment the angels were created in the background, according to Jewish tradition, music was played throughout all the rest of the days of creation. So angels know the power of music. That was the background of heaven. And so Lucifer being a fallen angel, uh, he's had a corrupting influence on music because he knows the power of music to either order the soul towards God or disorder the soul towards vice. Yeah. yeah. That's it. There's the music. Good work today, Jess. Good work today. We're done, dude. We're done. Good job, bro. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Dan Schneider. That's a wrap, EOW, end of watch. Uh, up next, uh, Richard, who's up next? Bishop Strickland's up next. The Bishop Strickland Hour. And as for us, uh, we are EOW, end of watch, as for now, but... Uh, Keep the faith. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Pray your rosaries every day. Okay? Pray that 50 caliber weapon. Remember, the rosary is not a toy, it's a weapon. God bless you. Keep the faith. Viva Cristo Rey.